0: Welcome. It's time to elevate your consciousness and tune in. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're successful, ready, and highly motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction, and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca.
1: Welcome back to Mastermind. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca, and this is the this is the show everyone's been asking about and waiting for. Everyone's been asking, when are we going to talk about hypnosis? What is hypnosis? So today is the day we learn about hypnosis. And just some hints from other shows, people have been listening and saying that they've gotten a lot of good information, so not only entertaining, but also informative, and people are taking notes and listening again and taking more notes. So I would just suggest that to you, if you want to just listen, fine, but this is a show also that people have been um, being, been able to go back to time and time again and get something out of it. And I love to say it because it's true every time, today's show will change your life. Today's show will change your life. If you are new to hypnosis, we will teach you what hypnosis is and why today is the last day you will live without hypnosis, and I mean that. So, will you take the red pill or the blue pill? Now, enough for the drama. Today, we have Dr. Holly Forrester-Miller with us, and Dr. Holly Forrester-Miller is a longtime friend. She is a mentor, and she is joining us today in this discussion of hypnosis. She's the president of Medical Hypnosis Consultants, PLLC, and Wellness Consultants, International PLLC in Durham, North Carolina. Dr. Forrester Miller is a licensed professional counselor and has had a private practice doing general psychotherapy as well as hypnosis for 35 years and has been training healthcare professionals in the use of clinical hypnosis for 30 years. She trained me when I was at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill About 16 years ago, and now I train others. Who would have thought we'd be here right now? (laughs) Uh, She she uses hypnosis and psychotherapy as well as teaching individuals to use self-hypnosis as an aid for medical applications, including pain management, preparing for surgery, minimizing side effects of cancer treatment, and healing. She views hypnosis as a tool that expands our possibilities for healing. She uses self-hypnosis regularly and has had three- major surgeries using self-hypnosis in place of general anesthesia, and also has had no bleeding. She was also the guest editor of the special issue of the American Journal of Clinical Hypnosis, The Benefits of Hypnosis in Cancer Care, which included her research, self-hypnosis classes, to enhance the quality of life of breast cancer patients, and this was in 2017. So Dr. Holly Forrester-Miller, welcome to Mastermind.
0: Thank you,
2: and thank you so much, Dr. Rebecca, for having me. I'm thrilled this to be here.
1: The, yes, this is going to be fun. So I, yes. unless we have a lot to get into, so I'll just get straight into it. What is hypnosis?
2: Well, I, I just want to say one thing before I even answer that, and that I loved on the intro they said that this show is about possibilities, because that's what hypnosis yes. is about, is about possibilities. And that's why my company, I talk about expanding possibilities for healing. So hypnosis is basically a tool or a process that we use to go into the state we call trance. So when I explain it, I like to talk about hypnosis, trance, and suggestion and define those three things in a way to help normalize this whole idea of hypnosis. People think of it as this kind of crazy stage show movie thing. And actually, it's a pretty normal process. So if you think about hypnosis as a tool for going into the state we call trance, there are lots and lots and lots of ways of going into trance. Daydreaming is a natural trance state. People who do meditation, ritualistic drumming, chanting, contemplative prayer, all of those things are ways of actually going into trance. The difference between them and hypnosis is how do you get into that state, and then what do you do with it once you're in it? (laughs) So trance becomes a pretty important piece of that. And what you do with trance, with hypnosis, is suggestion. It's how you talk to the unconscious mind. So trance is basically a process of quieting down the conscious mind and allowing the unconscious mind to come up into awareness so we can access all of the resources there. So if you think about, um, you know, some of the myths about hypnosis, people talk about like you're under somebody else's power and, and, you know, things like that. That's really not true at all. When you're doing hypnosis, you actually have more control than ever because you're able to access all the resources of your conscious mind and your unconscious mind both at the same time. So it actually gives you much more control um, and, and easier ways of making change both psychologically, emotionally, and physically. So I, I teach everybody that I work with self-hypnosis. So I basically teach them a way of going into trance on their own without me is all that really means, and then teach them how to do the suggestions. The suggestion is once we're, you're in trance, what are the things you say to the unconscious mind that help to make the changes. How do we talk to the unconscious mind? And the unconscious mind is very concrete and very basic. So there's um, a lot of different sort of nuances and guidelines that help make hypnotic language more and more effective in terms of and how let me the just, unconscious mind processes it.
1: And I'll just pause right here just to emphasize, uh, along with this, the, the, we, you mentioned that just a misconception of what uh, trance hypnosis are, is that we, this is not something that we are doing to someone. You talk about self-hypnosis. This is something that belongs to the person, the trance. This is something they can do on their own. We just are facilitating this process, correct?
2: Exactly. And not only can they do it on their own, even when you're facilitating and helping them, they still go in and out of trance on their own. Right. Somebody's, you know, in trance while they're doing hypnosis with somebody and they want to come out, they just open their eyes and come out. I mean, it's it's their trance. And that's really important. I'm glad you emphasized that.
1: And then you mentioned also, you mentioned the uh, suggestion. So what is a suggestion?
2: So suggestion is the way we communicate with the unconscious mind. And um, the sort of most important piece that I would emphasize about suggestion for people just kind of to start with and understand a little bit about it is that you're always suggesting the outcome you desire. So it's sort of telling yourself what it is you want to have happen rather than what you don't want. You know, so people who are nervous or anxious might say, oh, don't be nervous, don't be nervous. And right. instead, a useful suggestion would be, okay, I can be calm, I can stay centered and calm. Right. So It's, it's, it's just talking the, it's about what it is that you want to have happen. And if you think about a computer, the, the conscious mind and the subconscious are both kind of pieces that are aware we're aware of. It's like the conscious mind equates to the, the a window open right in front of you on that computer. All that information is available and there. And the mm. subconscious is like that window five back. You just pause and click two times and then it's available. You know, it's like, what's that guy's name? And it might take you a minute to come up with it, but then it's there. Right. So I tend to lump those together and just call them conscious because they're both available to us. And the unconscious is like the hard drive on the computer. The information okay. is there, but it takes some special tool or process to access it. And the other thing that the hard drive does is it actually controls the operating system. And unless you're a major computer expert person, you know, if the hard drive crashes, you're not using that computer. Right. Um, and so if you think of that, that analogy, our hard drive, our unconscious mind, stores all kinds of significant information from out our life and puts it in the background, stuff so we don't need right away. But it also controls our operating system. So it controls our our whole physiology, a lot of people equate it with like the base brain and all the autonomic systems, breathing and bleeding and, you know, your heart rate. You you don't tell yourself to have those things happen. They just happen. But yet when you use hypnosis, you can actually go to a place to help control those. And it's really basically pretty much the same process that like, you know, everybody's heard of the monks who can control their heart rate so it practically seems like they're, you know, dead or in a coma, their rates are so low and you don't even mm-hmm. perceive their breathing. But, but they're doing and accessing the same thing. They're in trance and accessing all those same resources.
1: So you're saying also that by accessing the unconscious mind, it's possible for us to access our operating system too. And, and maybe exactly. even... Operating, you know, changing the operation of those basic things of, you know, our physiology.
2: Exactly. And, and um, I, you know, I know we're going to probably talk a little bit later about how I work with people to help them prepare for surgery, but you mentioned in the intro that I myself have had um, three major surgeries with no anesthesia of any kind, not even a local, and, and no measurable blood loss.
1: And Amazing.
2: That's, I think that kind of a really extreme example of, of being able to control those mechanisms learning how to turn off the pain, learning how to have the bleeding stop. Um, and, and so we really do have an amazing capacity for physiological as well as emotional and psychological change. And, and yes. that, all those possibilities are expanded with this incredible tool of hypnosis.
1: So let me just go back just a, a, a little bit to talk about trance so that people get a good idea, you mentioned some ways or some forms of trance like contemplative prayer or ritualistic drumming. Right. What are some other ways that people might recognize that are just, like for me, I know in the shower, you know, some ideas will come to me and I realize I'm in trance because all of a sudden exactly. my unconscious mind.
2: Yeah, yeah, and like daydreaming is a trance state.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And my, my favorite example of a trance state for kids is if they play video games when they're deep into and involved in a video game, like they don't even notice what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. And for adults, any adult who's ever driven on a long trip can probably relate to that sense of they're on a long straight road that hasn't got much traffic. Then they're driving along and they're driving safely, and all of a sudden they find themselves thinking about that issue they wanted to talk to their significant other about, or if they're in you know school or business, that paper or memo they have to write, and how are they going to word it, and, and um, that's what we call a highway trance, that rhythm and pattern of the road can often induce that state, especially if it's, you know, kind of long, straight, and not much traffic, and sort of the way I know what's conscious and unconscious mind is that driving example, many of of the listeners out there, you might be able to relate to the fact that that's happened at times, And then you may come upon a situation with all these brake lights up ahead and the conscious mind yells yo, and startles you back. We need your full conscious attention now. And that great idea, that great intro to that paper, or that exact way to word that thing to your boss or friend, all of a sudden disappears when you startle back. And that's how I know that part is what's coming from the unconscious, because when you startle Mm -hmm. back, it's closed back away. The wonderful part about learning how to do hypnosis and self-hypnosis is you can go back and retrieve those ideas whenever you want to. And so that that example, I think, helps to explain, yeah, you know, these resources really are back there, and they bubble up. In that driving example, in the shower that you gave, Dr. Rebecca, is a wonderful example. So Mm -hmm. many people like, oh, I was taking a shower, and I had this great idea. And it's because you sort of let go and just relax and let your mind kind of just mellow out when you're taking a nice shower and then all these ideas from the unconscious have an avenue to come up
1: right because the conscious mind quiets quiets down the anxiety is gone the hectic the hectic day is gone and once that conscious mind quiets down then that unconscious has a chance to it's always there it's always speaking but a lot of times we're not listening because we're so focused on the environment our surroundings
2: Exactly, and, and the other thing that I think is wonderful in it is um, that when you think about it, the conscious mind that is the one that has all the shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. And so when you quiet that down, you just get sort of pure answers without that bias of what, I'm, what should I do, what could I do. I mean, you get these kind mm-hmm. of pure, simple answers that, that mm-hmm. make much more sense often.
1: Non-judgment. Sounds like there's no it's judgment perfect, that you're in the unconscious. It. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, perfect way to put it. Non-judgment. Pure answers without the judgments, without the uh, self-critiquing. Self-crit- <laughs> yeah. And, I, f- and I,
0: think,
2: yeah. I think that's a really, really um, powerful place to run your life from if you learn how to, to do trance regularly and then when you have a decision to make, or a question that you, you don't want to explore, it's just to ask it and then go into trance and just really mm-hmm. let the answer come from down inside you Instead of filtered through all those, shoulda, coulda, woulda,
1: Right. Just from that place of pure possibility, like we talked about earlier, possibilities right. are endless. And if we listen to that deeper part of us, we, we learn how to bring that up voluntarily. And then also, which is important, is to actually listen without judgment. We can change the course of how we deal with life circumstances.
2: Exactly, and, and like my company, I, that's how I started my company. I was a professor with a part-time private practice, and I was full professor with tenure and, um, and decided to retire from that, which, you know, nobody does once you make full professor the year you make it, but I spent time in trance thinking the question I asked was, what should I be doing next? Where should, what should I be doing? And I would just go into trance for 15 to 20 minutes once a day for five days saying, what, what should I be doing next? When I came out of trance, I just
1: jotted down the thoughts, and boom, there was my company. Right. It's a really good example. So, And um, when we we come back from break, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit deeper into some specific uses of clinical hypnosis. So let us take a break, and um, you're listening to Mastermind. We will be right back.
2: Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to one 866 again that's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five or you can send an email to dr. Huey at lifthealing.com now back to mastermind
1: And welcome back to Mastermind. This is Dr. Rebecca. I'm here with Dr. Holly Forrester-Miller, and we are talking about the clinical applications of hypnosis. Before the break, we talked in general about what hypnosis is, what trance is, and what suggestions are. And so now we will talk a little bit more about how we use hypnosis in clinical practice. And I'd like to start out, first of all, just by acknowledging, I know Alex Trebek had Announced that he has stage four pancreatic cancer, and he said that he set the intention, basically, for healing. Um, Those weren't his exact words, but that was his his suggestion: is that he had decided to heal from this condition. And so, I just like to acknowledge that that this is, you know, something that we treat in hypnosis in general is is cancer, and I know, Doctor. Dr. Forrester Miller, you've been treating cancer patients for 30 years now. So I'd just like for you to comment on this as well.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have. I've worked with cancer patients, like you said, for um, 30 years now, and teaching them self hypnosis, teaching them how to, if they're going to have surgery, prepare for that, but also teaching them how to help control the side effects of chemo, of radiation, helping them with sleep, you know, digestive issues, and then also with general suggestions and visualizations for healing, so kind of the whole... approaching the whole picture, mind-body-spirit-wise. And, you know, I would be more than happy, by the way, Alex, to help if uh, you, you want to. You can reach out to this program if somebody's on there that knows him or if he's listening, uh, and call, and I'd be more than happy to help and teach you a lot of the things that we've been teaching cancer patients for 30 years that help their journey go so much better. And um, with... So much more comfort, and um, I've worked with a lot of pancreatic cancer patients, and they've lived much longer than expected um, with using the hypnosis. So I think it's a a useful and fabulous tool for cancer patients and for anybody with chronic illness, as well as, you know, it's also useful for psychological issues. I don't want to leave that part out, Mm -hmm. because that's really important, too, but...
1: Yeah, I love that. Love so them. if anybody knows Alex, you know, this whole degrees of separation thing knows him and can share this information with him. I'd love to see you work with him. I've seen you done do amazing things. You've done amazing things. And so that would be um, that would be a great uh, honor to see um, see you work with him. Yeah, um, And I know
2: your household as well as mine are Jeopardy people. We watch every night, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. We watch every night for years. My family has watched Jeopardy every yep. every night, seven o'clock. We can't miss it. So, yeah.
2: Yep, and our house as well.
1: Yeah, we've uh, we, one night we watched it together. When I stayed with you, we watched Jeopardy! And that's how we found out, oh, you watch every night, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're much better at it than I am, and I, I have to admit. But <laughs> well, <laughs> But yes, so. I wish Alex the best. and like, I, I would be more than happy to help in any and every way that I can, if he wishes.
1: Yeah, so we're setting that intention as well. And um and let's take this this time then just to talk about how you work with cancer patients in a little bit more detail the types of things that you're able to do with cancer patients and some of the results that you've seen.
2: Well, um yeah, we had to start so many examples. Yeah. Um Yeah. I always, one thing I always do, this is just a philosophical thing for me, it doesn't have to happen this way, um, is is that I teach someone self-hypnosis and teach them how to go into trance completely on their own first before I do anything else. And like I said, I could just do the work with them without teaching that. But what I find is so amazing about that with everybody I work with, and especially cancer patients, is that it's so incredibly empowering. Mm. To be able to just go by themselves and go into this place of trance and get to a place of peace and calm for healing or, you know, use this to help you get to sleep um, is so amazing. And and for cancer patients, um, you know, it's once someone gets diagnosed with cancer, and especially a major um, cancer like pancreatic, one's life is sort of not their own for a bit in terms of Mm -hmm. doctor's appointments, MRIs, CAT scans, you know, chemo, radiation, I mean, it's it seems like everything starts sort of spinning in this crazy busy cycle where your life sort of centers around all the appointments and what's next. And um, patients don't always feel like they have very much control anymore. Right. So to give them a tool that they can use in conjunction with the best medicine has to offer to get their best outcome and have them feel like they're doing something themselves is so empowering. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's the absolute definition of integrative medicine. You take the best the mind body spirit of the individual can do and you combine it with the best medical science has, and that's truly integrative medicine. Yes. So um, I teach them how to access the unconscious mind. I teach them all kinds of ways of doing suggestions. I work with cancer patients individually in my office, but then I also run these classes. You mentioned the article I I won an award for um, where I've been running groups with cancer patients, patients, I have up to 12 people in a group, and it's an hour and a half once a week for four weeks. And I teach them all about hypnosis and suggestions, and they go home and they work on practicing their trance and and practicing writing suggestions, and we come back and we talk about it and um, just help them to really build those skills. And, I mean, I've seen such amazing things. I have this one, um, this one client that is such a great example because, for the most part, You know, they have fabulous outcomes, but it's sort of interesting because you can't really say, oh, the hypnosis did that, although over the long run, we see such better outcomes than for Mm -hmm. people in general that we sort of know the hypnosis is doing that. But, you know, you never know how someone is going to do normally. Right. So, um, but I had this one patient that I had the opportunity to work with who had surgery um, and he had the exact same surgery. It was a lung cancer and, and it was in... His right lung, and he had surgery. And then a year later, he had the exact same cancer, almost identical in size, in the same location on the left lung. Primary. And yes, primary, not a metastasis, Mm -hmm. a primary. So that's really unusual. And he had the same surgical team and everything. So we were able to actually, because I met him in between those events, Mm -hmm. and I met him actually one week before his second surgery. And in just one week, he came to one session of the group and learned about hypnosis and self-hypnosis. And then he and I met individually for a half hour. We do that. We meet in the group for an hour and a half, and I have a half hour meeting with each person to make them an individual recording, what they want to work on. So we met for that half hour and made his recording. And then he had the surgery like four days later. And the outcome and difference between the two surgeries and the healing process was startling. Yes. So amazing. And um, so we had really clear evidence because he was his own control group of how much better this went. And the mo- really interesting part is, is that when somebody has a surgery they had complications, he had to go back, he had to go into IC, um, intensive care, ICC, for after the first surgery, from complications from the surgery, and he had lots of pain and, um, you know, used the morphine pump, he doesn't know how many times, but, you know, regularly when he was in the hospital. So... With that experience going into the second surgery, one would expect that the anticipatory anxiety and the anticipation of those things would make the second surgery as bad or worse, typically. Right. And instead, his second surgery went so much smoother. He only ever did one, um, one pump, one, one shot of the pump, and that was when they were going to take the catheter out. And mm-hmm. he said when they took the catheter out the first time, he was really drugged up and it still hurt off the charts. The second time, he just did one pump on the thing, and he didn't even know they'd taken it out.
1: That's amazing.
2: And, yeah, and he went home from the hospital the very next day after lung surgery, was, you know, up and about and walking around right away. When he would got up and down the first time, he had horrible pain. You know, had to hold his side to kind of keep it as still as he could as he got up and down, and that was even on pain meds. The second time at home, he took no pain meds, got up and down, was totally comfortable. Um, and, and I've given talks around the world, and, and he's given me permission to use him as an example, and his wife took pictures of the two incisions, and one was just um, not quite a year post-op from the second surgery, which, and the other one had obviously been over two years, and the more recent surgery scar was faint and, and almost, you know, parts of it imperceptible, whereas the older one was raised and red still.
1: Yeah, I've seen those pictures. It is a stark difference between the before and after with the first surgery and the before and after with the second surgery.
2: Right. And his whole life, for the, you know, several weeks following, um, completely different first versus second. Yeah. So so he was a wonderful um, case example of, um, because of the self-control component. We really can say, yes, this was the hypnosis, because that was the only intervening variable between the two. Right. Right so, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I to say so. So the thing to me about working with cancer patients—I mean, I love working with people in general, whether it's for emotional and psychological issues, which I'm, I'm a psychotherapist, so I you know do that as well. Um, but whether it's for that or for, for cancer patients, it's um, that whole idea of expanding possibilities for healing is really what it's about. And watching people do so well, and watching people go through a surgery. Um, and or chemo and radiation treatments and and it be so much more comfortable than it they're told it would be. Yes. It's so amazingly rewarding for me. It's such a gift to be able to do this with people.
1: And to see people, again, you talked about empowerment, to see people suddenly in the face of a cancer diagnosis, people Um, invariably feel powerless they feel you know like the whole world is just closing in on them and they don't have any control over and so to give people this tool to be empowered and to have some sense of control over the outcome over what's going to happen with them not only physically but psychologically as well is yeah is just a great great opportunity
2: yeah and i've actually had a couple cases where um you know i always talk to people about healing i mean um and I've had a couple of cases where people have had surgeries, have had chemo, they've had radiation, and you know, the tumors weren't able to be fully removed. They were shrunk, and then they were told, you know, it's a matter of just time when it'll start to grow again and have done hypnosis with them um, about their body healing and eliminating the cancer. And I've seen, like, three different cases where the tumors have totally disappeared. Wow. So it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. where mm-hmm. The doctors have no explanation for why it disappears because... Shouldn't have by all their information and history and you know, um, and so whether it's the hypnosis or the power of prayer or a combination of all of those things, you know, um, we can't say for sure. But I bet on the hypnosis, and you know, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm doing more of it for me too.
1: Yes. <laughs> and in a way, it doesn't, I mean, for that person, it, it, it only matters that it's gone. And, you know, it doesn't, whether it was the hypnosis or the prayer or, or you know, the treatment or combination, uh, the, the important thing is that it, it's gone exactly. uh, in, in those cases. So, right. yeah.
2: And, and to all the cancer patients out there listening uh, and our friends of cancer patients, if you were going to do one thing from this talk that you did, uh, if you want to add to your healing, is if you just sat quietly and just talked to your body and visualized any of the blood supply that goes to the tumor just shutting off and those and, and that blood supply shutting down to that tumor, that would probably be a really good visualization to help with shrinking and or killing the tumor. mm mm-hmm. Right.
1: But and so... A
2: little, I- little piece to help people out there.
1: Yeah, strong visualization, and that's something that... You know, the more the more you practice any visualization technique, the the more vivid your image gets and the more vivid and consistent that image gets, the more effective it is. So I like yeah, that. Yeah, and,
2: and, and I agree with that. Yet I, yet I want to add a piece, too, because some people are not very visual, so they don't have mm-hmm. vivid images. True. And if you just have a strong sense or feel for it, that also. So the more you do it and and enhance that sense or feel if you're not a visual mm-hmm.
1: person. So, mm-hmm. the,
2: so the concept of the more you do it, the better is, is spot on. But if you're yeah. not visual, it's okay. It can still work.
1: And we talked a little bit about, we talked about the cancer treatment. We talked about also the, the man with the lung cancer and his surgery. And you, you dealt with him not only uh, with healing, but during the surgery, blood loss, uh, p- uh, management of comfort, making him more comfortable. So these are all things that during surgery prep, we work with patients and clients on is is not only the surgery itself, but those things surrounding the healing afterwards. And then also some mental preparation beforehand if people have problems with anxiety or anticipation of this. And so that leads me into some of the mental health applications of hypnosis. Things dealing not only with physical healing, but some of the mental aspects of how we use hypnosis in clinical practice. So yeah, I'll I mean, ask you, what is your, it, it, what? I use it with everything. Okay.
2: And I let the clients, you know, that I work with, the patients that I work with direct it. And um, so, you know, someone will come in, I'll do an intake and I'll find out what all the issues are and where all the they're, you know, either stuck in their life or what are the problems coming up with anxiety or depression and where they're, you know, are problematic and we'll kind of come up with a list of goals of what are all the things they'd like to see different and shift in their life. And, and then we kind of go one at a time through those goals and help them learn how to change them. And a lot of it has to do with, like, hypnosis. So if insomnia is an issue, mm-hmm. teach them how to use hypnosis to help sleep, help, help go to sleep and or go back to sleep if they wake up or help stay asleep through the night. Um, so it's, you know, whether you're... Have trouble getting to sleep, or staying asleep, or early awakening. We can use hypnosis in all those capacities to help people, and make recordings for them to set the stage for change, and then also teach them how to do it themselves to go back to sleep if something were to happen, and they were to wake up. Um, for depression, helping people to be able to visualize um, the joy in their life again, or energy, <laughs> or you know whatever they're struggling with at that mm-hmm. moment. And so it sort of depends how deep the depression is. Um, Helping, and people with anxiety, it's yeah. amazing because the, the steps that I teach people for going into trance, um, the very first one has to do with taking what I call a cleansing breath. And just teaching someone to do that breath, because it's very much involved with how to open up the chest and neck and shoulders, um, can help bring anxiety down immediately. So throughout right. the day, if they keep taking those breaths, it helps to bring their stress or anxiety levels down. So using it for stress for people is incredible. Um, It's really, I mean, and I use it, by the way, I should mention, I use it with, you know, people as young as four and all the way up to 95. (laughs) So, I mean, I've been doing this for so long. I I was first exposed to hypnosis in 1978. And so I've been doing this long before the days of specializing. And I have training in working with kids in my master's degree and then in my doctorate working with adults so I just worked with the whole gamut all along and um, and it benefits everybody and kids often much faster even than adults because definitely they they live in trance
1: yes Yes, as you know, I have a six-year-old daughter, and she is constantly in trance, and she has a great imagination. She plays with her toys. She makes up stories. She's in right. a whole different world, and so I've actually learned how to communicate with her while she's in this trance to get some answers from her, which has been, right. yeah, a really a really fun way to communicate with her.
2: Yeah, and like I said, kids, unfortunately, we spend a lot of time training kids out of trance as they get to be adults. This is sort True. of unfortunate.
1: Right, but, right. But
0: it's a naturally
2: occurring phenomenon, and it can be used in so, so many ways. And creativity, um, and yes. I use it for test-taking, whether it's kids in school or adults trying to pass, you know, medical boards and things yes. like that. <laughs> um, i use it for test-taking, for studying and retaining information. Um, it's, it's, and test anxiety in general, if people have anxiety about that. Um, chronic daily stomach aches, headaches, migraines. Um the list goes on and on
1: with the things yes. that we've used it for. Yes, the, you, there's so many so many uses oh, for oh. hypnosis. And uh, I wanted to remind our listeners that we are live today. So we would love to, during our third segment, answer questions that you may have. We've received some questions through email. Uh, if there are any questions that you have and you're listening live now, you can call 1-866-472-472. 866 And we would love to entertain some of your questions. So um, once we come back from break, we will start to take some of those questions. And I, so I'd like to remind you, too, you can reach out to me on website drrebeccamd.com. And submit questions that way as well, either now or in the future, because we will be talking about hypnosis in the future as well. So those calls and questions will be answered. And stay tuned. You are listening to Mastermind. We will be right back after this break. Change starts here.
2: Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. To reach out to us during the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to Dr. Huey at lifthealing.com. Now, back to Mastermind.
1: Welcome back to Mastermind. I am your host, Dr. Rebecca, and I'm here with Dr. Holly Forrester Miller. We're talking about the clinical applications for hypnosis. We've gone through what hypnosis is and then how it can be used in uh, every day in you know medical or in psychotherapy, and then also in your personal life, how it can be used. So we are live. We are taking questions during this last segment you want to call in, the number is one eight six six four seven two five seven nine five. And I do have a question that was emailed in, so we'll start with that one. So, uh, who's John from Durham wants to know if you can use hypnosis in an emergency situation? That's a good question.
2: Oh, it's a great question. Yeah, once you're trained in how to do self hypnosis, that's the sort of key. You know, because you want to have the training first. You know, it's, you don't want to learn how to Deal with the emergency in the emergency, you can know it first, then you can instantly take a breath, go into trance once you know how to get there, and just start talking to yourself, depending on what's happened. So, right. um, I unfortunately tend to be a bit of a klutz, although, you know, I'm working on that. But the good news about it is I've had lots of emergency experiences in my own life I've oh. had practice with, so I'm really good at giving people suggestions for emergencies because <laughs> I'm. Dealt with many of them, unfortunately. <laughs> and, um, and some of the things like, like if, you stepped, if you were to be hiking in the woods and stepped in a great big hole that went all the way up to your thigh, which I've done, you know, and you jolt your whole body, you know, immediately the thing to do is to take a breath, calm down, and start talking to your body about all the muscles, tendons, and ligaments you've been a little overstretched. And you kind of picture like a rubber band getting stretched, but it's okay. You can just go right back to your normal position right now. And, like, I've talked to all the cells, like a squeeze, the squishy ball, you know, the little stress balls yeah. you get. Yeah. Um, um, I keep those in my office for people. And, you know, those, they squish, and as soon as you release them, it goes right back to its normal shape. Well, I visualize mm-hmm. the cells that way and talk to the cells that same way about going right back. And the blood stain in the vessels and um, turning off any pain or swelling. And, I mean, and I've had just absolutely phenomenal results with twisting my ankle or stepping in a hole or all kinds of different things, falling, where I've been able to really, like, come out of it with no bruises, with, you know, um, being able to go right back to what I was doing and, and being in an amazing shape for whatever kind of a incident I had. And burning as well. I work in a metal shop mm-hmm. as a hobby and um, use it to turn off burning. And I've been able to actually touch, you know, 1,000-degree hot metal and have no marks at all on my hands to show for it 20 minutes later.
1: Because I'm, I'm glad you brought care. that up because I would love for you to share that story quickly, if you can, about your, your burn experience. I thought that was a powerful uh Yeah, well,
2: and I've had, unfortunately, many of them. Oh, I've only <laughs> I, I, I was at a workshop. This is a quick funny story. I was at a workshop one time, and I was saying how I tend to burn myself often because I work in a metal shop, and then I tell people what I do. And my husband, it was the one and only workshop he's ever gone to or lectured that he's ever heard me talk. And afterwards, he said to me, well, why don't you just tell yourself in trance to stop burning yourself? And I looked at him, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. And I have not burnt myself since. But it, I just hadn't thought to do that. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah. So, I mean, I immediately took a breath. Um, my, my, in an emergency situation, I have to admit that my induction tends to be a curse word. Uh (laughs) and then take a (laughs) breath and go into trance and um, drop whatever I picked up that burnt me and I just immediately start rapidly talking to myself saying, turn off the burning cold water going through, instead of like cold water over the hand or, you know, the fingers, I imagine it going through the hand and through the fingers, down through every layer, cooling it, cooling it, cooling it, turning off the burning, turning off the pain, turn off the red, turn off the blistering, cooling it, turning it off, cooling it, water through, water through, cool. and just kind of rapid fire, talk to myself like that for about a minute and then come out of trance and um, it's maybe for another couple minutes, it's just a little tender and then within five minutes, I don't know that anything even happens. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I've had, it was one time I had this, this bar that I went to pick up and it went across three fingers and immediately it, it made that sound like, you know, the steak on a platter coming out to the table, the sizzle, and it had mm-hmm. a big white mark, the width of the bar across three fingers. And um, so it just instantly killed that skin. And yet doing that, even that white went away. And then it was about a week and a half later, those three fingers several layers of skin peeled off.
1: Okay. Okay,
2: So Um, so it had killed them, but yet it didn't blister. It didn't go on to do anything else. And I think the most important thing for people to remember is if you put your hand under cold water, visualize it going through the hand or the arm or whatever, because the top layer gets hot, which burns the second layer, which burns the third layer, and the burning just keeps going. And the actual process of putting your hand in water only hits the top layer. So you visualize it going through all the layers and that's much more effective.
1: Mm -hmm. I like that visualization. And then also uh, I like the example you gave of this going back to the the sprain or anytime tissues get compressed or squeezed or any physical injury like that of the squishy ball and imagining that, you know, no matter how distorted or how, you know, what happens to the tissues, if, if we can imagine or visualize, just like a squishy ball, as soon as you let go of that force or that tension, it just pops right back to its normal self, just has right. a normal shape again.
2: And at the same time telling the cells, you're okay, you're just a little compressed, you're fine now, compression's gone, yeah. you're okay. And yeah. you know, just bounce back.
1: Yeah, I've actually used that. I, I've used, I, I don't know if you remember, but I've used that with you, I injured my shoulder, mm-hmm. I don't remember how. I, um, you do, do. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have another question here. Um, Let me see. So why choose hypnosis instead of, this is Alice in Utah. Why choose hypnosis instead of regular therapy?
2: Um, Well, I don't ever do hypnosis instead of regular therapy. If it's for psychotherapy issues, we do both. And so... What we would do is, you know, I mean, I'd talk to a person and we do, you know, general psychotherapy and then we kind of figure what issues we really want to target on. Um, we'll then do trance work targeting on those issues. Or if we're not sure what issues we need to target on, we'll do trance work to help the person to find where the issue is they need to target on. So we can use hypnosis as an exploratory technique to find out more about what's going on. Or in trance, we can do the therapy. So, you know, like, like for if somebody had a phobia, I would... You know, typically people would do systematic desensitization to help them with a phobia. Well, I would mm-hmm. do that same thing, but I would do it with them when they're in trance in my office.
0: Mm-hmm. So instead of taking them out in the
2: field to approach the bridge or the dog or whatever the issue is, we do it in their mind in the office and we can go through what would take four or five sessions in, you know, out in the field in the office in one session. And um, I help people with phobias using systematic desensitization in trance, where we've had maybe two, three sessions max, and their phobia is completely gone, instead of it being a much longer, slower process. So it's so amazing it like how much more you can accomplish in a shorter amount of time by tapping down into the, the depths of the unconscious.
1: Right. That's what I was going to say is because you access the unconscious, the, the operating system, the person, the the, the the entity that's really running most of our programs. So if we can right. get right to that, as opposed to having to filter through the conscious mind and, you know, there's exactly. less resistance, there's, you know, just more of, of direct access to reprogram. Exactly. It's not either or it's both. Either or It's it's not either or It's both So it's not that That we're choosing hypnosis Instead of regular therapy It's that doing therapy With hypnosis Is Can actually be Or is more effective You can do it better Because you have that That ability To tap into the unconscious And I had
2: mentioned too You know We haven't talked about research There is all kinds of research On everything we've talked about So far About helpful hypnosis Is And there's lots of research For lots of different issues Where they say A combination of CBT And hypnosis Is actually the most Um, effective tool for dealing with a lot of of mental health issues. So um, but there is research out there on all of these issues, and research that actually shows that when you're in trance, it actually changes how the brain functions and the parts of the brain that light up in response to different things. So it's Mm -hmm. it's really able to, um, a lot of the research these days, is able to measure where and how the brain is responding different and see that it really is making a difference. So it's kind of fascinating, the research out there.
1: So this would be a good time to, to ask, then, where can people find this research? I know there's a whole body of research on hypnosis in terms of uh, clinical hypnosis, though. Where can we find this um, significant research, if we want to well, learn
2: more? Well, a, a, a really good place to start is um, the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis' webpage. So it's A-S-C-H dot net. We call it ASH, ASH dot net, which stands for the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and on that webpage, there's a lot of information about hypnosis, a lot of links to videos of, um, of professionals talking about how they use hypnosis, about talking about research. There's links to different research articles. Um, and so that would be a really good place to start. There's also, by the way, um, a link on that webpage, if anybody's interested, to a two-minute video watching me have surgery with no anesthesia um, and no bleeding. Um, so I would suggest that as a good starting place. And also on the ASH webpage, right on the front page is a place that says find a clinician. So if you want to know where you live, you can find someone um, that does some of this work. Um, you can go there and there's a, a, a page you can put in information. And I suggest that people just put the state they're in and just see who all is in their state because it's listed by town. And sometimes, like, you might be in Chicago and right. somebody might be in Northbrook, just outside of Chicago. And you put Chicago in, Northbrook won't come up. So just put the state in, and then you'll get everybody in that state that's, that's, a, that's certified by ASH, or a member of ASH. And ASH will only train people who have a professional license or are in a graduate training program towards that license. So it's a nice place to find a professional who you know is really trained properly because hypnosis is a tool. It's not a field on its own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so
2: they've got the base skills of their profession and then this is a tool they use in conjunction with it.
1: So I like to emphasize that just so that people know kind of what our background is. You know, you have to be a, a licensed professional to be a member of Ash. So if you go through the the webpage and you search somebody in your area, that person is professionally licensed uh, in in their field and has the additional training of, what is it, 20, 20 clinical hours at least, and then... 20 um, hours to become a member. To to become a member.
2: Right, and then 40 hours plus 20 hours of consultation, so total right. 60 hours to become certified.
1: Right. So it's a lot of time, and in, in consultation is basically where we come together, and we... we Talk to somebody who's senior, who has more experience than us, and we go through specific cases and we talk through things and we learn how to deal with certain situations in hypnosis. So it, there's a lot of training that goes into it, in addition to our whatever our professional license is. So I have just one more question. It looks like we have four minutes to close, um, and I do address this a little bit uh, in your uh, in the previous section. But how can hypnosis be used for sleep?
2: Um, well can be used in several ways, you know, to help get to sleep, to give suggestions about staying asleep, to get back to sleep if one were to wake up, um, and the kinds of things, like if people learn how to go into trance purposely, okay, and learn to use that self-hypnosis, one of the things that's sort of the, the easier things to do is to start with the idea of just going into trance and letting oneself just stay in trance, go to a nice, deep, relaxing place, and drift right into sleep from there so that you're kind of shutting down all that conscious mind busyness. You know, if it's, if it's what keeps people up is constantly thinking about this or that or the other or if they're on hyper alert for some reason, you sort of bypass all that and go down into sleep. And that, that's sort of an initial way to think about it as a, um, as a helpful tool. It quiets down that whole um, parasympathetic nervous system to... Right. You know, and, and the research shows that when you go into trance, your parasympathetic nervous system is calmed down. Um, and so that's you know, one of the pieces that's really important about getting to sleep. And then the suggestions would be actually giving suggestions about staying asleep so you know, that I'll have a nice, peaceful night's sleep and sleep throughout the night comfortably easily. A lot of people who have trouble with sleep go to bed thinking, oh, I hope I sleep tonight, or oh, God, I hope I don't wake up. And they're actually, without realizing it, giving themselves suggestions to not sleep. Right. So it's really paying attention to that and start to expect to sleep. That expectancy is, is a helpful piece.
1: So, even expecting though
2: to- may tell you different, just start mm-hmm. changing your thinking, and it will start following. <laughs>
1: Right. And the more consistently changing, the, the changing the same thinking more consistently, you know, becomes more and more effective. Right. Well, we are just about out of time. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Dr. Holly Forrester Miller, thank you for coming. Um, thank you. Yes. You. Yes, yeah, so it's fun, and, and she will be back next week. We're going to talk specifically about healthcare. We're going to talk about, excuse me, hypnotic language per, for healthcare professionals. So if you know anyone who is a healthcare professional of any type, this is a great show. And really, even if you're not a healthcare professional, there are some really general concepts that you can use in whatever position you have, in whatever field you're in, that will really change the way you communicate with your clients with your audience with your students whoever you are in order to be a a more effective communicator so we will see you next week this is dr rebecca and you're listening to mastermind we will see you again or uh, you'll be hearing us again next week thank you for tuning in
0: thank you for tuning in to mastermind Please join Dr. Rebecca for another show next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel. We'll talk again next week.